Welcome to the Christway Connect podcast, creating pathways, connecting people to Christ, to others, to purpose. Welcome to the Christway Connect podcast. This is the place where we say Jesus is the way and everything else is a conversation. And today in studio we have, that's right, silence. Yeah, just me today. Occasionally our ministry schedules or other demands uh, don't allow everybody to get around the mic, so the very special episode that you get today is uh, is me. So it's a conversation for sure, uh, but it'll be a conversation with you and I. So I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, currently, Christway is reading through uh, the New Testament. We've covered Matthew and, and Mark, and if you're new to the podcast, you could look back over the last several weeks both the preaching on Sunday and also the conversations uh, that drop on Wednesday are all about these chapters in the New Testament beginning at the first of the year. So we've gone through Matthew, we've gone through Mark, and we're rolling through uh, Luke just about halfway there. And the reading today, reading five chapters a week, the reading today would be Luke chapter 9. So I'd like to draw your attention to Luke 9, and in particular... uh, the 5,000 are fed, whom do men say that I am, that whole thing is going on. But what really drew my attention is in verse uh, 23, so just about halfway through the chapter, verse 23, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If I were writing this out, for you on a board, I would write it in script, and then the word cross would be in all caps, and the word daily would be in all caps. And even I guess we could put follow, but I, I, I feel like if we're taking up the cross and it's daily, and then what's the follow part in all of that, right? So as I'm thinking through that, Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I wondered what the cross daily thing was. And I think we have context. I was talking with Deli about this a little bit earlier uh, this week. And I said, you know, we have context for that. Uh, if you've come in the Christway Sanctuary, in the Christway Auditorium, uh, most of the year there's a wooden cross that hangs behind the pulpit. It is right in the center of the stage. So uh, it's around the musicians, and it's in front of the drum cage, and um, the, the keyboards are on either side. Like the cross is truly the center of the stage. We wear them around our neck. You can have a ring that has a cross on it. We have bumper stickers and decals and on and on and on. It's an execution device. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this. It would be similar to someone... Uh, wearing an electric chair, a small pendant of an electric chair around their neck. Or if you were in uh, France in 1789, it would be a, a guillotine pendant around your neck, right? And that's just weird. It's bizarre to even think about it that way. But the cross is this execution device. And whether it looks like a plus sign or whether it looks like an X, like St. Andrew's cross, or whether it's a T or, you know, whatever the specifics may have actually been however Christ was crucified. It was an execution device. 
And so we can look at that and we can appreciate it. And at Christway, we, we try to appreciate it every Sunday. We uh, take the sacrament of communion and we remember his blood uh, shed for us and his body given. And, and we remember that and we commemorate and we celebrate that we couldn't get the job done. And, and Jesus did through his uh, death on the cross. So in context, we can see that. And then we can, I don't know if we spiritualize it. I'm not sure what we do to kind of move it forward into 2022. And we think about, you know, what a uh, taking up your cross looks like. I had a conversation this past Sunday with Daniel Lunsford. Now, Daniel is in our three, four, five-year-old class. So uh, Daniel was outside and I was chatting with him and I, I went up to Daniel and I said, hey, buddy. I said, I have, a, I have a question for it. It's a very important question. And he was all eyes, you know, listening to me. And I said, how's Karen? Now, if you know the Lunsfords, you know that Karen is their little, uh, their little dog, right? And Karen is super fun and super cute. And so uh, Karen sleeps with the boys, with Daniel and his brother, Joe. And, and, and so I said, how's Karen? And he said, you know, she's in my room, but I have to, I need to talk to my dad about this. I said, I said, you have to talk to your dad about Karen. Yeah, I have to take care of her all the time. And, uh, and he was very put out in the moment. And I, I asked him, I said, is, is Karen your dog? Yeah, she is my dog, but I have to, I have to take care of her. So being the good pastor that I am helping the flock, I went and found, uh, Evan. I went and found, uh, Daniel's dad. I said, Hey man, you're a little tough on, on, on Daniel and making him take care of the dog. And he said, okay. So he said, we pull up and we've got bags of groceries and what have you. And I've got multiple bags in every hand and I'm shouldering things and bringing stuff in. And, and I asked Daniel to, I think he said like open the side door, or unzip a little door or something, open it up and let her out in the yard. He goes, that's the extent of the dog care that Daniel has to do. And we got a good laugh out of that. And then Evan looked at me and he said, first world problems. That's why I tell you that story. First world problems, the things that we feel like we suffer in a first world environment, a first world economy. It was a few days ago, I sat on my porch. We have a front porch and I sat on the front porch and it was evening and the sun was, was setting, and the way it's set up and the positioning of our porch, I could see the setting sun. And I thought, there aren't any missiles coming into our house. There aren't any missiles coming into our neighborhood. And I was thinking of the folks in Ukraine and the goodness that we have. And through the last several days, I was in a, uh, a meeting today, and someone was communicating and talking about things and discussing stuff, and it was all very important. It was very serious. And and I thought, I wonder how many people are thinking about um, Kev getting shelled and different things like that. And, and I'm not trying to be a freedom fighter. I was just, I'm just aware that we live in a different place if you're in the United States currently. It doesn't mean everything's okay in your life or everything's perfect by any means. But there's first world problems and then third world problems. And most of us understand the differences. And so when we take the cross and we project it, and I don't know if we superimpose it on us or we superimpose ourselves on, onto it. I just don't, 
I just I just don't think we we get the actual application. I don't know. We have context. I don't believe they did. Um, and then sometimes I'm like, did they even understand what he's talking about? So so I, did did they have context? Did they have context to to what it means to take up your cross daily? Because not to get graphic and apologies if this is any kind of offensive, but uh, if I were to shoot myself, uh, you know, shoot myself daily, what is that? You don't shoot yourself daily. You would shoot yourself and then you would die and then you would die. That's it. It's a one shot deal. No pun intended. It's a, it's a, you shoot yourself and that's that. So to die daily, that's, that's interesting, right? And, and to try to project ourselves into the writings of Luke and to ask ourselves, what did those guys think when they heard Jesus say, if anyone would come after me, deny himself, which I think they did. I, I think they, they said, we left father and mother. We, you know, Jesus says, if you leave, if you don't leave father and mother, you're not worthy of me. And I, Peter probably spoke up and he said, you know, whoa, 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 we've done that. We left, we left father and mother. So I think they could say, you know, maybe we have denied ourselves, but, but take up your cross daily. Wow. I mean, that, there's, there's just something, something in that for, talk about over the top, talk about uh, like, you know, just ringing the top bell, the top rung of the ladder, like just going for the juggler, as we might say. My goodness, of all things, take up your cross and then to add daily. But yet, then he says, follow me. So is the cross simply something that we're carrying? Is it something to, to carry that I'm as... Uh, Simon of Cyrene picked up the cross and, and was, was compelled to do that and carry the cross of Christ up to the hill Golgotha. Was that, was that what it is? Is it just about carrying, and frankly, the cross that's up on the platform at Christway, it's, it's heavy. It's a four-by-four four treated lumber, and whatever they treated it with, lead maybe, I don't know, it is heavy. It is heavy. And to put that on your shoulder and walk with that, maybe, is that it? Is it about just carrying things and even potentially some level of discomfort? Is it, is it, is it following in purpose? Is that it? That, that Christ had a purpose and I have a purpose and I need to go after that? I, I ask myself, is it, is it following in pain? What he would literally suffer in pain, is, is that the idea? And I think, again, in particularly our American mindset, 2022, first world, all those kinds of things, I think it's hard for us. I think it's hard for us to pinpoint what that is. I mean, we don't all have it easy, and we have challenges and trials and such, but I don't think most of us have felt persecution in a, in a while. Um, and this isn't a rant. It's just, what is it to take up this cross daily? And, and I guess I'm trying to figure that out because I'd like to know if I'm doing it. Did they have a context? I think of Luke, again, chapter 9, verse, really it's like 43. 43 is finishing up a, a miracle that Jesus did where he cast out a spirit from a young boy. And it said, while everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he turns to his disciples. He just cast a spirit out of this young boy, a suicidal spirit out of this young boy. Everyone's amazed, breathless, marveling. He turns in that moment, turns, and he says, 
listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. Now, if, if I'm sitting in that space and he says, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you, I would be thinking, okay, we're going to get some insight on this miracle here. Because in fact, the man brought his son to the disciples and they were unable to cast the devil out of him. And it's at that point that Jesus says, you know, you are unbelieving and you are perverse. You are an unbelieving and perverse generation. He goes, I don't get it. How long do I have to put up with you? That whole, that whole thing, which is a little, it's pretty harsh, right? So then the miracle happens. The child is delivered and Jesus looks over at the guys and he says, okay, so listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. I'm thinking he's going to talk to me about why I didn't get the miracle done how I can get the miracle done later. Like, this is going to be miracle seminar. Listen to what he says. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. That's what he said. That would have caught me totally off guard. And I think it caught them off guard. Verse 45, they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they didn't grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. What an interesting, what an interesting position I'm afraid to ask. I don't know what to say. You just hit me with something kind of blindsiding me. That resonates with me. I want to serve the Lord, want to live for the Lord, want to please the Lord, want to hear well done, all those things. And then occasionally, like I think it's going one direction, and the Lord tells me something about the plan, and I just don't understand it. And some of it is hidden from me. But I'm actually afraid to ask. Continuing on, there's something that I read this week that I don't I, I don't I think I would have missed the quiz if someone would have asked me. And it's in verse 51, again, Luke chapter 9. As the time approached for Jesus, for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And when I think about that, you know, the resolute purpose, the intent. And I think about the cross and taking up the cross and resolute and intent. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. The people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus just turns and rebukes them and goes to another village. Why is that in there? Like, you've got to pause and ponder six verses that just say Jesus was headed to some place, resolutely determined, turned and went into this village, sent the guys ahead to prepare a place, and the residents of the village said, no thanks. We don't want you here. They didn't welcome him because of where he was heading. I'm not trying to get preachy. But think about that. Take up the cross. Follow me. Do it daily. I wonder how much we welcome him when that's the path. They said, or the scripture says, that they didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. He was heading on a particular course that was offensive to them. Most of us listening here uh, would know that uh, Jews and Samaritans, not the best of friends. In fact, when Jesus went to the well with the woman at the well in John chapter, I feel like it's John chapter 4, he goes to the woman at the well. And she says to him, why are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? 
the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealings with each other, right? When the disciples came back, they looked over and they're like, why is he talking to her? Like, this is not supposed to be happening. So the Jews and the Samaritans, no love lost there. But Jesus was going to go to them. And because of where he was headed, they said no. I take that back to the cross. How many folks, myself included, because of where he's headed, I might say no. Because of what he's doing, because of where he's going. And then the disciples, as I probably would also, I'm ready to, man, I'm ready to pull out and holler and yell and knock stuff over. Where's the bulldozer? We're, we're going to just roll this town. Jesus rebukes them and just goes to another village. What an interesting six verses. Now then in the NIV study Bible that I have in front of me, after verse 56, there's a little subheading. And it says the cost of following Jesus, which is interesting because we've already talked about the cross and daily and all these other things. But now he's going into the, the cost of following Jesus. I'd like, to, I'd like to take a moment and just read this to you. Again, this is following the rejection by the Samaritans in, in the town. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, this is so interesting. He was going to the Samaritan town. He wasn't welcome there. He got rejected. And then as they're walking, this happens real time. This isn't Jesus like telling a story of, hey, a couple weeks ago, this happened. No, no, no. This is real time. This, this story is rising up from where he is in this moment. A man says to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, this is verse 57. Do you remember what we read earlier? Verse 23. If any man would come after me, he must, right? What we read earlier. This man walks up and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus tells him, the foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. Now, one guy says, I'll follow you. And he tells him, here's the hardship, my friend. And then Jesus then says to another guy, he says, hey, you follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you. So it's this interesting back and forth. Like one person comes up and says, hey, I'll follow you. And then Jesus says to another guy, hey, I'd like you to follow me. And then another guy comes up and says, hey, I'll follow you. So it's this interesting like ping pong back and forth. Verse 61. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 62, kind of challenging for us. Jesus replies, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. End of chapter 9. That's how we would end our reading today in chapter 9. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Are we splitting hairs that we that it didn't say take your hand off the plow? <laughs> We're still working for the Lord. We still have our hand on the plow, but we look away. We look back. We're not really fit for service to the kingdom. And I would concur. I'd say yes, a thousand percent. The next verse doesn't say that Jesus then sends us on a bobsled into hell. It says we're not fit for serving. 
We're not fit for serving. It's a double-minded man, right? My hand is on the plow, and I'm looking back over my shoulder. Many of you probably right in that moment might have thought of Lot's wife, looks back, sees Sodom and Gomorrah, turns into a pillar of salt. That's a little harsh. That's kind of a harsh story. But what about the very fact that just looking into Jesus, author and finisher of my faith, what about that? What about just that part of my hand is on the plow and I am looking to the Lord? I'm not looking back. I'm not Bible in one hand looking over my shoulder at wherever I came from, the Egypt, whatever it was that I came from. That is double-minded. That is a duplicitous in my heart, looking one way, saying something, doing something else. Very interesting to consider. And it doesn't say I'm kicked out of the family of God. It says I'm not fit for service. That's not the way we serve. Can we tie it all together? That's not the way we take up the cross. That's not the way we deny ourselves. (laughs) That's not the way we do it daily. And that's not the way we follow him. When we have our hands to the plow, simply looking to the Lord. Hand to the plow, looking to the Lord. Now, I said that's the end of chapter 9. Quite a few challenging verses in there, not least of which we started with verse 23. I'll read it again. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We read on through the transfiguration, which is, I, I, think, it's kind of, I think it's kind of funny. Verse uh Verse 32, Peter and his companions were sleepy. It says, I love that. They were sleepy. When they became fully awake, they saw his glory. Two men standing there. Uh, As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters and one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then the parenthetic note, he did not know what he was saying. The man brings his son and the boy has the spirit and the disciples can't do it. And Jesus says, I'm going to be betrayed. And they don't understand anything. And they're afraid to ask. And then they go to this town that rejects him. And then they want to call down fire. And Jesus rebukes him. It is like a comedy of errors. And then he says, when you're working your hand to the plow, but you look back, you're not fit. That's a rough read. Chapter 9 can be a rough read. It could really call us out. It could really lift the curtain and expose our brokenness, our neediness, our misguidedness, our misunderstandings, our fear, our anxieties, even our anger. So that's chapter 9. Now, when you get through all of this, right, if we can get our hand to the plow, and if we can not look back, but look to Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, then you get chapter 10. The Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. What happened in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Pretty powerful. And it's not rocket science to recognize that when you go through a chapter 9, It looks a little rough. Cross, daily. Jesus wasn't the first guy that these fellows had seen crucified. The road was lined with people in particular areas. 
that were crucified. And when you get through that and our own brokenness and our own bumpiness, the things I just rattled off a moment ago, when we get through all of that, and if we've got our hand on the plow and not looking behind, but looking to him, we have a shot at a chapter 10 where he will take our brokenness, our silliness, our misguidedness, the things we don't understand. They were still those vessels with fear, intrepidation, not wanting to ask. And he'll say, you know what? I'm going to send you out. Why am I sending you out? Because you have your hand on the plow and you're not looking back. And then the Lord works through us as a vessel of God. And we can make a difference. I find that deeply encouraging. As challenging as I found uh, chapter 9, when you read 9 and 10 and it all comes together, there's an encouragement that fills my heart. Because I know the Lord has used me and worked through me and gifted me and helped me when I felt just as clueless and was just as clueless. But my hand was on the plow and I was looking to him. So as I close us out today, thank you for hanging in there with me in this conversation today. I, I pray it's been a, a meaningful conversation for you. I pray that, I hope you've been challenged, but I also hope you've been encouraged. And most of all, I hope the Spirit has talked to you in some way and will continue to do so. So that would be my prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together in this special moment today. Thank you for your word and the ups and downs and the highs and lows and the twists and turns. But you're with us. So we here on this Christway Connect podcast want to be connected to you, want to be connected to others, and want to be connected to purpose. So we pray that all of that would happen as we look to you, Jesus. Thank you for the power of your spirit that helps us, and thank you for the love of God that is shed abundantly upon us. We love you back, and we thank you for it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you again, friend, for joining us today. I missed uh, Arnick and, and Deli and Jeremy today, but I have enjoyed being here with you. So I pray those words are meaningful, and until next time, take care of yourself, and we'll look forward to being again soon.